This is the AZ Brandcast, where we explore Arizona's brand and the brands that make Arizona. I'm Chris Stadler. And I'm Mike Jones. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of AZ Brandcast with Chris and Mike. Super excited to have you on today, as well as our guest, Grant Botma from Stewardship. A little bit about Grant. He's born and raised in Arizona, and Grant is an entrepreneur and author. Uh, having started Stewardship, a Gilbert company based in Gilbert, Arizona, assisting clients in areas of financial planning from mortgages to wills and trusts uh, and a whole bunch of other things, uh, including insurance, I believe. And Grant has also written a book about management. This is pretty recently, right? Yeah. The Problem Isn't Their Paycheck. I'm super excited to have Grant on. Uh, Grant, your history with Resound, I think, is super exciting. That's one of the reasons I'm super excited to have you on. We've been friends for a long time. Yes. Uh, we got to work with you, I think, starting in like 2011 or 12. Yep. On your brand, kind of helping you think through some of the challenges that you were having early on uh, as you guys were getting going. And uh, then watching you over the last, like, basically, like, eight, nine years, like, hmm. just booming. Oh. That's been really fun to watch your company grow. and. I always appreciate you in particular and your desire to build a great company culture. Hmm. Um, we were just talking about this before we got on the show about you know your passion for building brand through culture, right? kind of an inside out approach uh, to building a great brand. Um, and then also just your love for Arizona and all the many, many things that you do and are involved with here. And uh, you are definitely a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I like to call myself a compassionate capitalist rather yep. than serial entrepreneur. I think that sounds better. <laughs> uh, but for, for what it's worth, uh, you know, as as I'm whether it's speaking on stage or writing or doing something, a lot of times I'm asked the question like, Grant, what are some major turning points for your business? And every single time I can talk about uh, what the Resound team was able mm. to walk me through. That was an unbelievable turning point for my business a huge paradigm shift for me as a business owner and leader. Uh, so that said, I'm extremely grateful for you, mm. you guys, your team, the work you did, um, because uh, where stewardship is, we, we wouldn't be there without yeah. you guys. So yeah, that's an honor to be here. Full disclosure to our listeners, uh, Resound is also a client of stewardship. You guys do our business insurance. Oh, that's right, yes. Uh, and then I'm personally a client. We've done, I think, some refi. We At least one refi yes. with you guys uh, on our home. And then also, I believe, our home and auto insurance is through you guys, too. So yeah. we're, we're not just fans from afar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we we really appreciate the service you guys provide. Yeah, you've uh, been able to experience you've built, you've built the brand that. and the culture, right? Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. What so, a wonderful thing. Just want to make sure that's clear to everybody. It's kind of like the, we're pitching you guys not just because uh, we like what you're doing, but we actually get a lot of benefit out of it too. Mm, it's great. But, Thank but you. who's Resound, Mike? Uh, let's talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> Resound. Okay, Chris, fine. <laughs> Who is Resound? Well, I mean, you know, just thinking there might be people out there like, I'm listening to the AZ Brandcast. Who are these yeah, Resound cats? So, so Resound is uh, a, an organization dear to my heart and hopefully to Chris's heart. And too. my heart, yes. And my heart. Sweet. All of our hearts. <laughs> Including yeah. Sam, our producer in the Sam room here. engineer over here. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Resound is our agency. So we do branding and marketing for small to mid-sized businesses who sell to other businesses. And we happen to be all the same guys who are doing the AZ Brandcast. Yeah. Kind of works out. So it works for us. So it's an interesting uh, coincidence that we talk a lot about branding Mm. on this podcast in Arizona, which are two things very dear to Resound's heart. That's right. Yeah. Do we do the icebreaker question or has the ice been broken? I feel like the ice has been broken, but you spend so much time every episode coming up with these amazing icebreaker questions that I I think we have to do it. It's a labor of love. Yeah. Biggest gripe. Okay, so here's the question, right? The icebreaker. You get choices on this one. Biggest gripe about transactional employment practices. Kind of a pay more, get more. That's how you get more. It's just like you spend more, you get more. Or biggest mess up a company is made by taking a transactional approach. So first of all, what's a transactional approach? What do I mean by that? Yeah, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, or you want us to interpret it for you? Please. Okay. I think you guys both have an idea. I want to hear what Grant thinks about yeah. transactional. Uh, so if you're saying transactional employment, I would say, hey, look, I'm giving you a wage. Therefore, you need to do your best. 
you know, it's, it's the type of management or leadership style that doesn't have a ton of empathy. Um, I think the transactional employment is actually maybe the reason why Deloitte found that 89% of employees are not giving their best at work mm. because it is transactional. Hmm. So that's, that's my guess. I like that definition. I like it too. Ditto. Yeah. I'm going to go with Grant's answer. You I'm going to cheat me, off his test answers. You give me these hours, I give you this money. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the the biggest shifts in, in the mindset of a manager or leader that I'm trying to help with. Um, they are entitled. They have this business. They're giving somebody a wage. They're giving somebody a job. Therefore, you should be grateful to me, <laughs> Right. Um, and that's not how the human brain works. That's not how you can get the most out of people. That's not how you can get people to be on goal mission in your team with you. It's like managers want this. mm, They're entitled. They, they want them to say, Hey, just show up and do it. But at the same time, they complain, how do I get my team to have more of an ownership mentality? Don't treat them transactionally, right? <laughs> so wait, so so the managers treat them transactionally, but then they expect like ownership on the way back, right? Like Correct. you need to own your, you need to have your heart and soul like given to what we're doing here because we're on the same team. Yeah, and I think that's because they think um, they they assume that everybody on their team sees the world the same way they do. Mm. So it's like I have an ownership mentality. Why don't you? You know, yeah. and um, yeah, they. People are different. People think differently. People absorb experiences differently. And that's that's important understanding. Yeah. And I even wonder too, it's like, well, why should they? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I often think about when I'm thinking through that process of like, well, why aren't you taking more ownership? Why aren't you, you know, taking more responsibility for the work that you're doing, having maybe that ownership style mentality or a more entrepreneurship style mentality. And it's like, well, well hang on a sec. Like if I put my if I put myself in their shoes for a moment, what am I what am I getting from the company that would lend itself to that type of mentality, right? A paycheck doesn't, that doesn't equate to ownership. Um, you know, so what is it that's working in this relationship that would make me say like, oh, I do want to have more ownership over what I'm doing because that's how it's been structured. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I, I wonder often if that's, you know, you talk about like startups in particular who are very, you know, quick often to give equity to early stage employees because they know how critical that level of ownership over the work is. Like, it's like, hey, we don't, we can't guarantee you like no more than 40 hours a week, right? <laughs> you might be given 80 for like three years of your life right? Uh, in order for this thing to take off and really get where it needs to go. And so we've got to structure this in a way where you actually feel that, that buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. So what, so do you, can you guys think of, so, so my example, do you want me to start and then yeah, yeah, yeah. guess? Yeah, 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 Chris. So, You've so my, thought about this. my nat, well, I, I actually didn't have an answer until now, oh, but, okay. um, Grant helped me think of one. So, um, I just remember one time in Portland, we were renting a place, um, right across from Nike and it was like this apartment. And I just remember like they raised their rent and I was like, that's cool. But um, we're awesome tenants and I know for a fact, not everybody pays on time always and doesn't break stuff. Right. And has a clean place when they leave. I know for a fact, right. And we're easy to work with. So I was like, so I went down and talked to him. They're like, sorry, um, there's nothing we can do. And I'm just kind of like, and, and that's fair. And I have no complaint. I mean, the, the lady was really nice, but, um, but at the same time I was just like, you know what, whenever I knew the owner directly, they they would bend over backwards right to to get us to stay right they would like be super cool and everything because they knew we didn't break their stuff and we they knew we always paid our rent on time but then you work for a transact or you you rent from a transactional company and they're just like the system is set up that you're a number it doesn't matter what the leasing agent wants to do right she, she can't she has no power it's just set up to be transactional i think the word that is going to be different than transactional is one that focuses on connection, obviously relational. So even if, let's say there genuinely was nothing that could be done, there were circumstances outside of that uh, property manager's um, control, right? That they had to increase rates. Maybe their costs increased. Um, maybe the market told them that they were way under value and they had to, right? 
Um, maybe there's a, a ton of other different things. Well, even if it was a relational situation, that person wouldn't have just said, hey, there's nothing that I can do, but they would have educated you. Mm. They would yep. have listened. Hmm. Uh, they would have responded with empathy. And um, that's important. Managers and leaders must listen. Well, and that would have made me not feel so taken advantage of because I would have felt like, oh, wow. So, so I'm so important that she's taken time to explain to me, you know, what's going on. And, and I would feel respected, right? Mm-hmm. And that's true of, of brands too. Like you have to listen to your ideal customers. You have to listen to your audience mm-hmm. uh, and then respond in kind to what you're hearing rather than just saying buy now, buy now, buy now, or don't, right? That's just not going to work. Um, so understanding that, you know, everybody talks about, okay, managers and leaders and like business owners, you got to be a visionary, right? Um, I, I, I don't know, maybe I just made this word up, but I just, I think everyone should be a listener. I mm-hmm. think everybody should focus on listening. Um, and that's a really, really, really big deal. I'm writing down hashtag listenary. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Going in the show notes. <laughs> Going on the post. What do you guys got? It. What do you guys got? What examples? Yeah, this one's, uh, uh, how real do you want me to get? <laughs> well, I can think of a recent situation with uh, a certain. Um, I don't know if I'm thinking of the same Yeah, okay. Thing. I'm right. thinking of something a little bit older. Okay. Because that feels a little safer. Yes, probably. Uh, <laughs> a little less emotional. Yeah. A little less, yeah. Uh, I mean, so from like an employment standpoint, I mean, we've we've been through this at Resound over the years of trying to figure out kind of how do we, how do we instill a sense of, I don't know if ownership's the right word, but a sense of responsibility and like proactiveness uh, on our team. And it's been, I'd say a lot of trial and error. I don't think we've always had it figured out. Um, and I think Grant, I, I would say like you guys are ahead of us on a lot of those things in terms of hmm. kind of thinking that through in a more like, strategic way and a more like developed uh, process type of way, but which is why I really appreciate a lot of the content you're putting out right now mm-hmm. about it. Um, but I know like we've struggled with this. Like I remember one time having a conversation with one of the people on our team, one of the creatives. And I remember saying like, I don't, so there's a, there's a fundamental trend in, in most agency cultures where agency owners are looking to maximize time, right? Like how much time can I get my team to give to the agency and our clients because we bill by the hour, right? So the more time you put in, the more we make, right? Um, and so part of that is at the structural level of the agency. But I remember when we started Resound, one of the things I was really passionate about was like, I don't want to burn people out. I really don't want to be that agency like every other agency I'd ever worked at or heard of where people are like, yeah, I only lasted, you know, a year and a half to three years because... I was, you know, by the end of my three-year stint there, I was doing 70, 80 hours a week, and that's just not sustainable, right? And I remember we were at this kind of inflection point in the business where it was like, man, it was a tough time. We were going through the six-month period where cash flow was really tight. And I remember looking at one of my creatives and saying like, look, nobody here works more than 40 hours a week, but I can't seem to make the financials work out. And there was this point where I was like, maybe the reality is like, this is just what it takes to run an agency profitably is you have to work people into the ground. I'm like, that sucks. Mm. I really don't want that. And that person looked at me and was like, no, I don't think you have to do that. Um, I wasn't convinced in the moment. I I was having a little bit of like a, woe is me. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know what else to do to get people. Cause the other issue we were having on the flip side was like, I couldn't even get full-time employees to, to max out their 40 hours. We were having this issue of like, Hey, like you guys are tracking your time and you're never hitting your hours. I don't know what to do to incentivize you to to really say, hey, I am going to actually put in. And it doesn't, you know, we had some billable efficiencies around like, you know, it's not 100% billable. It's not 100% productive time. But like I need 40 hours. That's the commitment that we've made to each other. Uh, And how can we do that? And what I've realized over the years is more, I think some of it was like realizing we need to individualize that approach to hours um, where it's like, let's talk about your priorities. So I think going back to your principal grant of like listening first, mm-hmm. saying like, well, what are your priorities? Is it really the salary? Right. Okay. Well then I have, mm-hmm. I have a, an expectation of the number of hours that we need to hit in order to make that work from a financial standpoint. 
if it's not the salary, right, or that's not the only thing, or there's something else like beyond that, maybe it's like, hey, like I have these other things going on in my life. I need time with my family because of certain circumstances. Or I've had employees who are like, I have a side gig, you know, and I really am passionate about it. And I want to figure out how to make that work with what we're doing here. And it's like, great, then let's put you in a different like kind of contract in terms of how we're going to sit down and, you know, formalize an agreement of how we're going to work together. Cause I think that is important having set expectations, right? Like setting, what are the expectations from both sides? Anytime you work with anyone, whether that's an employee, a vendor, a contractor, or a client of like, what are the expectations, right? What are, what's the relationship going to look like as much as we can knowing it'll probably shift. Um, but like, let's set these expectations up front of what, what we expect and what you expect from us and how are we going to work together and realizing like, and that's one of the things that we've realized is like a lot of our creative staff don't actually value the total amount at the end of the day as much as, yeah, I want to make sure I'm hitting a certain baseline in terms of, you know, what am I worth from an hourly standpoint? What's, what's my work worth? But really it's like, man, the flexibility is incredible and so like a lot of our staff have moved from full-time to contract because of that Um, because it allows them to have the flexibility to go kind of spend their time the way they want to and not feel like they're being forced into like oh i gotta hit my hours and you know like all these things that come into play when it's like yeah you employ full-time people Um, and there's other constraints around that you know when you deal with freelancers and contractors and all the legalities of that, but uh, which has been really fun to work through. I don't know. That's my story. It's a little bit rambling. No, but it's it's extremely relevant to mm-hmm. I think the conversation that we're having. Um, and uh, honestly, it's a huge reason why I wrote the book and a, a large portion of what the book is about. So many people think that compensation is the number one motivating factor in the human brain, and it's not. Uh, research over and over and over again for hundreds of years lets us know that we want more than that. And the three things that are more important are one, like you said, freedom. Mm-hmm. People want that autonomy. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, next, people want affirmation or they want to become a master of a craft. They want to be really, really good at something or they want to know if they're doing something right. That's a big deal. Uh, but more importantly, the number one thing that motivates uh, most human beings, healthy in human beings anyways, is a purpose. Mm. They want to have uh, something to pursue. They want to make the world a better place. And if they're able to do it with other people, in a community, have a unified purpose, that is powerful. Yep. And uh, people were likely choosing, like you said, that contract situation because it gave them that freedom that they wanted, yep. you know? Um, and and that's that's important. So the, the thing that most business owners that I'm talking with struggle, and I failed at this miserably, um, was I had this purpose for what stewardship was going to be about. Hmm. We were going to love people through finances. And dang it, if we didn't take care of them, somebody else was going to close a transaction for them and it wasn't going to be the best. And that's terrible because if they don't get the best or if they even get taken advantage of, oh man, that's like the number one cause of divorce. Or they might not have a good relationship with their kids or on and on and on it goes. And I'm very deeply passionate about that. But I didn't share that passion with everybody else. I didn't share that purpose of why I started stewardship with everybody else. So even though I had amazing employees, if I didn't share that, per- it, it, it burnt me. Yep. So I had to go all in on social science. I had to go all in on diving in and figuring out like how and why the human brain works the way it does and decided to be very, very purposeful mm-hmm. uh, in my language, point, uh, creating this unified purpose statement and creating character traits that we were going to do to pursue that together mm-hmm. and pointing everything to it. And, and the beautiful thing about Resound is you aren't just a marketing company. Mm-hmm. Having had an experience with you, you want to see businesses thrive and win. And you want to get to know like the heart of that business and the why behind it and make that why come out. You believe everyone is remarkable. Mm-hmm. And you guys helped the things that are remarkable about me and my brand come out and that was beautiful. Like, what a wonderful purpose that can be. Yep. And having a team of people to say, you know what? There are some remarkable businesses out here. Yep. Let's, let, let's, let's find a way together to bring that out of them. Because when we do, it's going to make a big impact on our community. How powerful is that, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So 
having that purpose that people can pursue together, giving them the affirmation that they need, or, or even, like you said, that had the side gigs, becoming masters of a, of a different craft, supporting yep. them in that, and then well, creating the freedom is a big deal. Yep. Yeah, and that was something we, uh, you know, we, we started, I think, very similarly where, you know, David, Jeff, and I, you know, as we started the company in 2009, had this sense of, like, intrinsic purpose behind what we were doing, right? We That tagline, You Are Remarkable, came about very early on in our company, like, lifespan, um, but I don't know, we were hesitant, I think, and maybe we didn't have it all figured out too, to really talk about it, really instill it within our company culture. And I remember like five years ago, having this really deep conversation with one of our, uh, employees about, um, about some of the nuances of that, of that language of you are remarkable. And us saying that about saying every single organization is intrinsically remarkable and them going, I don't know if I agree with that. And that was a moment where we solidified that belief kind of at the leadership level. And it really started to trickle down. And we realized we had some like wrong fits on the team where they weren't bought into that purpose at the, at fully. Um, and we realized like, if you really don't believe this, you're going to have a really hard time fully living it out with our clients because you're going to run into clients where you're like, I don't actually, because I don't fundamentally believe that every organization is intrinsically remarkable because of the people that have built it, because people are intrinsically remarkable, then you're always going to have this like asterisk on that relationship. Mm-hmm. And we can't have that. Like we have to work with companies that we go, we believe it, right? If we don't believe it, then this doesn't work. Um, and I think it's more than just saying, hey, you've got to believe this, but they also have to believe the the why behind you're pursuing it. Why yeah. is it just plain wrong that there's companies out there that are remarkable and it's not being produced or communicated out to them? Yep. Why is that just plain wrong? And you got if they're yep. not only believing in, in that purpose, but yeah. pursuing that purpose yeah. with passion, that, that, yeah. that has to mesh as well. Yep. It, yeah, is, totally. it is frustrating seeing people and you're just like, dang, you guys could communicate yourself so much better and, and the world would be a little different, you yep. know, if you did. Should we talk about Arizona a little bit? Sure. Uh, so Grant, you're kind of an Arizona, like you, you love Arizona a lot. Let's just a say lot. that, right? Okay. So <laughs> yeah. does anyone ever think it's a little weird how much you love Arizona? Um, I think people from outside Arizona do because they don't understand. And maybe that's why I love Arizona so much because uh, it's not only just home for me, born and raised, um, but there's so many amazing things here that aren't in other states. Like I genuinely believe that this time of year right now, as we're sitting, which is March, uh, there's no better place in the world to be than Arizona. (laughs) I think rattlesnakes are like, yeah, totally agree. (laughs) Isn't this like rattlesnake season? Is it? I, I have no idea. They're just like starting to go out and not today find love today yeah. they are like man it's rainy and cold why That's would right, i it's rainy. why That's would true. i go outside yeah being those cold blooded cold blooded reptiles that they are yeah but people think it's weird that like i like arizona so much because they don't they don't understand it. they don't understand what? the amazing food the amazing mm. weather the amazing okay. sports um how organized the roads are um mm. how awesome the the housing is the different sub communities um mm. people don't know those haven't experienced that um and, and I think that's why they think it's weird. So you mentioned places to go. Yes. What are your three favorite places to go in Arizona? Okay, so I, I said food. I think Arizona, and I've traveled to a lot of different cities and states and been to a lot of different restaurants. Arizona is definitely on the top of the states out there as far as foodie people go. Like there's some really, really great chefs and an amazing restaurants here. Um, so one of my favorite places to go is just awesome food places in Arizona. And there's a plethora, like there's so many to choose from, from the best pizza place in the country, which is Pizza Ribianco in downtown Phoenix, it's right? Pizza Ribianco? Pizzeria. Pizzeria Bianco. That's it, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, there's... there's Right under the department. It's in their building. Oh, okay. I okay. think so. Yeah, it's... Uh, no, different one. Sorry. It's I'm, near I'm the uh, Diamondback Stadium. Yes. Okay. And yep, it's really good. It's right next to the Arizona Science Center. Um, 
but then yeah so other places to go i'm a huge sports fan i say march is the best time of mm. year in arizona because i love spring training i am a okay. season ticket holder <laughs> to the cubs spring training games uh, i actually take the month of march quote unquote off where <laughs> i awesome. literally work very 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 part-time and there's a lot of intentionality behind that for my culture for my family for everything else but basically i just take this month and go to the spring training games with my family you have um, like on your calendar WFS work from stadium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> work yeah. from stadium. Yeah. I like that. It's great. I have th- there's an aspirational goal. Work from stadium. Work from stadium. I'm not WFS. there yet. I'm not to the Grant Botman level of taking March <laughs> off. That's that's going on my that's going on my personal goals list. I no, don't know I, if it's work from stadium, but I like work a lot. I, I like what I do. Um so I don't know if I can ever be completely off right so that's why i like have air quotes when i say yeah. off <laughs> yeah. um but uh no taking that that month off is is unbelievably huge for me personally and a big deal for my company yep. mm. um so many great things happen w- without being distracted by some of the day-to-day management or leadership or vision co- kind of stuff without the day-to-day like ambassador stuff that i'm doing for our, our company i'm able to really hyper focus in on one or two projects mm. Uh, and I kind of have this thing where like, I'm like the opposite of most entrepreneurs. Um, I don't think you have to wake up early every day and like rise and grind. Like, I think that's dumb. I woke up at nine o'clock today. Um, and honestly, that's typical for me. I wake up around like seven thirty-eight every day. Do you ever go to a baseball game and see like a good defensive play? And then you're like, that's an analogy for, for like life. Yeah. And for business. Yeah. I'm just trying to make a business case for sports. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's analogies for life everywhere. But I do feel like, ba- what, why is it baseball you always read? Like, people go to a baseball game and they get inspired. Why is it not like, well, do you want my cynical Soccer view? or basketball. Yeah, tell us your cynical view. Because you spend a lot of the baseball games sitting there thinking about other things other than baseball. Totally, slower pace. Yeah. yeah. Versus like, if I go to a basketball game, like, there's no time to be thinking about anything else other than... Man, basketball, because it's happening. Yeah, right. and it's happening fast. It's happening fast. But in the month off, I'm not necessarily yeah. just going to the spring training and saying, <laughs> oh, man, that just happened. Now my mind is blown. <laughs> and then like I change things for the company. But it's intentional. Like, okay, I'm going to make this time where I work on this project, yeah. but I'm also going to be like hyper research mode. So mm. again, it's I don't wake lean up. Back. Yeah. Lean back work. Yeah. So yeah. because I don't wake up early, I actually do things at night. So I put my kids and everybody to bed. And I just have this time at night that's just mine. And I get to my home office and I'm able to bang out those projects or start working on them or really like, you know, take this online course, read this book, listen mm-hmm. to these podcasts and obtain some knowledge about where our society is, where it's heading so that I can make sure my company's out of the curb. Cool. I feel like there's a whole new product idea here. Uh, we're going to talk to our friends at Max 6 or the department about spinning up a co-working space at... At the in a box, like buy a couple boxes, combine I'm in. them, work, mm-hmm. yep. work, yep, workspace, sign me up, yep, co working. So, Grant, you wrote a book called The Problem Isn't Their Paycheck, and I found the little uh summary on Amazon. Can I uh, can I can I intro you? Oh, yeah, the, the problem isn't their paycheck, how to attract top talent and build a thriving company culture. We have a couple questions for you, that's why we're doing this. Here's a description on Amazon We've been made to believe that money is the ultimate motivator. We think that businesses who have high-end compensation packages attract the best talent and that well-compensated employees will be high performers and stay content. The stats and scientifically proven data say otherwise. Top talent and the highest producing employees desire three things other than money. And in the problems of their paycheck, Grant Botma reveals those forces, what those forces are and how to easily implement them so you can hire right and lead better. Is reached number one bestseller status in six categories. What? That's awesome. That was weird. I'll be honest. I didn't expect that. Yeah, you didn't expect such praise from the AZ Brandcast. Well, yes. Oh, that no, and the, the, bestseller, the stuff. bestseller stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, that was weird. That was really weird. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's cool. It was fun. Yeah, and you've already touched on those three things in the podcast already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were flexibility freedom freedom yeah which is flexibility yep. affirmation and, and the number one is a unified purpose yeah. there's a lot of talk right now between business managers leaders got to have a vision you got to have a purpose but i think you got to go deeper than that it's got to be a purpose that unifies the team mm-hmm. and the key to that is it your purpose must require a selfless sacrifice hmm. 
Because when your purpose for your company requires you to give of yourself to make the world a better place, then you can give of yourself with other people. Mm -hmm. And it creates like this. When you're sacrificing for other people and with other people, it creates unity um, in an unbelievable way. So yeah, those are are the things. I remember reading about uh, Southwest Airlines a long time ago, how they, um, there was, I only found it once, but it was like a research paper or something. It said, it said that they, they claim that their employees are more important than their customers. Yep. Like their relationships. Yeah. Have you heard that? hundred percent. Yeah. I fully believe it too. Like, I, like our, our company purpose at stewardship is to love people through finances. Okay. H- how do you do that? Like, that sounds really weird. One, you just said love and finances. What? Um, but you know, t- to love well, the, some of the best acts of love in the history of the world have sacrifice weaved into every piece of it. Mm. So uh, in order for us to love well, I have to love my team well. So if they're asking, well, how do I love customers through finances? Oh, I get it. I just do the things that Grant does to me, mm. right? Mm. So mm-hmm. if I treat my employees right, then they will treat our customers right. That top-down leadership mentality is a big deal. I do have one hard-hitting journalism question, though, and it might make you very uncomfortable. But <laughs> I'm ready. When, when I look your he's, book. He's at the plate. He's ready to hit this one out of the park. Okay, so when I looked, your book had all five-star reviews, and that wasn't from like three people. That was from 99 reviews. So my question for you is, how much did you pay those people, <laughs> and how did you recruit them? Yes. Um, I paid them nothing, sadly, because if there was a way that I could pay them to get more reviews, I would totally do that. <laughs> um, no, yeah, uh, it's weird. The, 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 the process that the publisher takes you through um, I didn't know this about Amazon reviews, but they're hard, especially for a book, to get to stick. Mm. So somebody might write a review for a book, and then um, maybe one out of every five or six or seven will actually stick. So the total number of reviews that have been written for my book are way more than 99. Um, really? But yeah, but those are the only the ones that, that, that stuck. So um, they like track the IP address and the location of where it was, the person that wrote it, and if they're too close of a relationship with you and all these things. So because that, the publisher was like, listen, reviews are a big deal. Mm. Um, so as the book is is in its launch phase, um, don't ask people to go buy it. Ask them to give an honest review. Mm. Um, so that was part of the call to action during the, the launch period. And I think that probably helped get to that number. I don't think I've ever seen a book with uh, five stars from that many reviews. So that's pretty impressive. Um, I do. I do have another question, though. Uh, I'm a practical guy. So what is what is one way I can in the day to day or process or what's what's a practical way that I can live out some of the advice from the book? Like mm. just pick something, bring it down to earth today. What can we do to right. love people? So affirmation. Big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a very good chance that Chris, you're, are you married? Yes. Okay. What's your wife's name? Shauna. Shauna. Mm-hmm. She probably has no idea how good you are at your job. Hmm. She probably has no idea um, the things that you do here. She knows you're good. She probably assumes I'm better than I am, but you know. <laughs> no. Okay. So let's 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 go with the reality. But my guess she is she has know, no right. details, yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. So I'm going to. Does she ever listen to this podcast? Uh, no. No. So my she wife is today. Yeah, I'm 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 going Chris is to gonna send it to her. I'm going to ask <laughs> that you have her listen to this portion and I'm gonna just just talk to her. Okay. okay. Shauna, I don't know Chris, but I just met him. And I'm a person who's because of this stinking book, I've been on a lot of different podcasts. But I can tell you that what I know about Chris is his voice is really, really great for this podcast. He's very conversational and he's making this easy on me. And as a person who's been on a lot of podcasts, that's not always true. Shauna, your husband, Chris, is really good at his job. Am I turning red? No. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. No, not yet. Uh, so you might feel like you're turning red. I don't know how often somebody with relevancy has maybe even said that to Shauna. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big deal is that type of affirmation. So well, for me, a trigger, whenever I see somebody who comes and, and is affiliated, whether it be family or friend, uh, that works for me, I almost ignore my employee and take a beeline straight to that person's spouse or kid or parent and just say, do you know how awesome 
so-and-so is at their job. Hmm. You know who else who does that? Uh, we, we interviewed him on a podcast. I was um, just thinking about this. Yeah. Adam Goodman. Adam Goodman. Yeah, he would, um, wouldn't he send his... Uh, I think it's almost every year or might be more frequent. He yeah. sends the family members of his employees a letter from Beautiful. him. Beautiful. Yeah. So he writes well a letter done. that's personalized to each family. Yes. And says, because uh, his philosophy is uh, when I hire someone, when I'm bringing, when they're coming on to the Goodman's team, um, I am borrowing that time from their family. Yes. And so it's a thank you letter to them. I think it's annual. I think he writes it annually if I remember right. Uh, that'd be a good follow-up question for him. Yeah, I just but remember him saying he would like. I just remember he would give it to them. Yep. And then it would be sorry if I'm sure. No, go for it. Yeah. You remember they, details. They, they put it on the fridge. Like, like yeah. they <laughs> would. It would matter to them. Oh, it's and they a would huge keep deal. it for a long time. It would sit on the like. Be, and it's a it's a thank you letter from him to the family saying thank you for letting you know Joe or Julie uh, spend at least eight hours a day for five days a week as part of our team. Well, let's think about uh, they like, could be doing so many other things. Why is that so stinking smart? Like, it, it, think about the employees. Okay, you got one employee A and employee B. Employee A does not have support from home to go to work. Mm-hmm. When they leave to go to work, their spouse or their kids might complain. Mm-hmm. Their spouse or the kids don't think highly of the boss manager or the company. Mm-hmm. Or you got employee B who has a ki- kids and a spouse who are like, yes, go like encouraging them out the door, go pursue that mission and that purpose. We think it's awesome. You're making the world a better place. Mm. Go do it, make it happen, right? There's a completely different level of performance mm. that those employees are gonna give. Because they're being company. supported. Yes. Yeah. And not only that, but like, I think through the context of, you know, what do most employees bring home? What do most team members bring home uh, from their work? It's like a paycheck, right? Would be okay. So they bring obvious, home the paycheck. The one. That's one obvious one. What's okay. the other one? What's the emotional one? Uh, they're tired, maybe. They're stressed out. Yeah, a little stressed, right? maybe. Tired, All maybe. of the issues at work come home. Yep. Right. The good stuff probably doesn't really come home because we feel emotionally. We feel in a longer term way. We feel pain. We feel frustration. We feel stress. Yep. Way more, and we remember it way more than we do. You know, joy and happiness. And so that family member, that wife, that, those kids, um, or that spouse, if, you know, uh, they're going to remember all of the bad interactions that that person has had at work. And they probably either never hear or don't remember any good interaction that does happen. Mm. So I think going back to your point, Grant, like those words of affirmation directly to that family member from someone in leadership, whether that's spoken or you know, written down, man, like that's got to have huge impact. It does. And that's why the the main point of my book is not just create a purpose, but a unified purpose. Mm-hmm. You're not just unifying the, the team or the family within the walls of your company, but you're trying to unify their support system at mm-hmm. home as well. If you have, like just for me, if, if I'm coming home with stress of my job and my wife isn't on purpose with me. My kids aren't on purpose, but they don't know that like, yes, it's important that daddy goes and loves people through finances. Um, they're just going to get upset and loathe and have bitterness towards my job. Mm-hmm. Whereas I have a wife and kids who are unified with me in this purpose and they will come and give me hugs or snuggles mm-hmm. when it's needed. My wife will give me a back rub and cook a great meal. Like those things that say, it's okay. You know, it was, it was a rough day, but we'll get them tomorrow type stuff. That's yep. a big deal, man. And think, yeah, think about the employee. I mean, not just from the employer standpoint, but from the employee, just how more focused and stress-free their life's going to be with all the support they now have. They don't have yes. to try to like walk this razor's mm-hmm. edge between family life and feel like they're taking from their family. Yeah. And know. there's only so many calories our brain can use up in a day. Mm-hmm. So if they're using it on stress and that just tension between home life and work life, well, what if the home life is supporting it and adding more calories back? So when they do get into the office, wow, now, yeah. now they're a higher performer. Yep. You know? And so, and so what if like, yeah, what if companies, you know, started, you know, like just giving knowledgeable informed, cause I feel like there've been things where it's like, oh yeah, you're great. You know, whatever, you know, kind of thing. And it doesn't feel genuine, but someone who's worked with you or like Grant, you know, you use your experience with me, even though it's limited, right? But you use that experience and based on, on that, you didn't say, oh, Chris is great at his job. Like, you don't know that. But you didn't say that. What you said was what you knew, right? Mm-hmm. And so as it came across as, as 
legitimate, sincere, and yeah, I, I listened. I, I am experiencing your real value mm-hmm. to my life right now. And I wanted your wife to hear that because to me, that's important. So, yeah. well, I'll have her listen to the episode. Good. She's sure. Because <laughs> Chris, you do a fantastic job. I was just thinking about this as we were talking. Uh, one very simple, small way. Maybe it's not small to you, but it's not like you do this all the time. But your prep for these podcasts is awesome. Thanks. Like you make us look so much better because you're prepared and you've thought through content, you've thought through questions, and you put these awesome guides together. So thank look you at you guys just giving examples. Thanks, guys. So Shana, Appreciate it. Chris is awesome at what he does. <laughs> Love it. All right. So, so that's a really good practical tip that employers can put to rest or put, put to use right now. Put, put, all right. So let's put something to rest now. <laughs> okay. um, what's, what's one of the biggest myths that are out there that your book busts? Now you already, I don't want to go over that. that so, so salary is mm-hmm. more important than, mm-hmm. right? So we talked about that. What's, is there another one that you can think of? Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you a rebuttal that people typically give me, which helps bust that myth. They're like, okay. no, Grant, you don't understand. I've had people leave me to go get paid more. Like money is the most important thing. I've experienced it. Um, and because when I can offer the highest comp plans, then I can get a lot of people to fill out resumes or give me resumes for the job. Um, one, trying to compete comp-wise with other companies is dumb from a financial perspective. Like I'll just put my financial advisor's hat on. You should make your comp plan based on your company's budget, bottom line, like Mm. not somebody else's budget, unless you're looking at your competitor's budget too and their financials, then don't make your uh, comp plan. More likely than not, they're not equivalent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, all right. So now put that aside. Money leads to all three of those things I talked about. Why do people want high comp plans? Why do people want money? Well, they, so they can have more freedom. Mm-hmm. So they can retire early or so they can take more vacations or they can spend more time. That, that's what they really want. Or like feel respected even, right? Well, that's yeah. the affirmation piece. Gotcha. Yep. So or it's a status the, symbol. Yes. I make more than the people around me yes. or, or as much as what I think I am worth. Or with my money, I'm bu- buying this car yep, or this right. home or this thing because I want people to tell me I'm good at what I do. I'm good. I'm valuable. They want that affirmation. Or even it is for a purpose. I really want to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. I want to pay for a college education. I don't want my wife to have to work. I, I don't want, um, you know, all the, all these things I want to donate to a philanthropic endeavor. So the money is pointing to all three of those things. So why not as a business and manager and a leader, give them those three things too. Yep. Not in my head. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Can't hear it on the podcast, but I'm nodding. (laughs) (laughs) So, so you would offer, so I, I liked what you, what you just said. You said that you offer a compensation package based on your budget and your company. Yes. So that sounds a lot like a little bit like how we approach branding, right? So it's like, who are you and what are you and what do you actually have? If you do a SWOT analysis for your company, you're saying, here's who we really are. You're trying to get to the truth of something. And so by offering a compensation package where you're saying, okay, well, we can pay this much for this role. You probably do a little research to find out what that role pays so that you're close. But then you're saying that on top of that, you have these non-tangible benefits that you're going to be able to offer that satisfy those needs. So when they come in, so 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 where's the strength in that? Are you going to get as many people to um, to apply to for a job like that? You think? Totally. If you uh, advertise the job correctly, mm. here's the first thing: like, do you really want somebody to come to you just because you had the highest comp schedule? Because if that's how they are, they've proven that they're selfish and how do selfish people act in a culture or in a, on a team. And that also means that if they see another comp plan that's gonna be higher later, see ya, right? Yeah. So I'm not advertising anything about the compensation whenever I communicate I have a job opening. I create uh, a one-page landing page, uh, a web that just says, this is who stewardship is, and we make the world a better place in this way and you get to do it with these people. I talk all about the unified purpose. I talk all about the affirmation that they'll receive. I talk all about the freedom that they get with the job. And I'll just give you an example. I recently hired somebody for a very part-time position. The uh, pay is just slightly over minimum wage. It's a very back office admin thing. 
uh, but because of the freedom, because the affirmation and the purpose, I had over 80 resumes Hmm. that just came in within days. Now, part of that is because of how I advertised it and put it together. But the other part of it is the kind of coalescence of branding and my culture and that who stewardship is and the impact that we're making on real people is known in my community. Hmm. Um, We talk about it often. Um, In my social media posts, I am uplifting my employees, not because they did so many transactions, but because they made real impact on real people's lives. And research and studies are telling us that people will take up to a 30% pay cut if they know that they get to do work that matters, Mm. right? So if I'm communicating that my entire team, every day we do stuff that matters, then people are already gonna be attracted to that. The number of emails that I get on a monthly basis of people that are gainfully employed somewhere else, Mm -hmm. that want us to come work for me and they don't care if they have to take a step down, it's, you guys would be shocked at the number of people that do that. Why? Because we have a purpose that's unified that the team is gathered around together. We have affirmation. We have freedom. Big deal. Yeah, that, that uh, and I mean, we relate these things back to brand. I think it was one of the arguments that we always make is that brand is not just a marketing tool. It's an all of your company tool. Mm. And it has huge impact, I think, if you utilize it right. Because it's the same things, right? It's purpose. It's culture. It's values. It's how you interact with people within your company as well as externally. The behaviors that flow out of those things, right? Mm. From a from a corporate standpoint, from an organizational standpoint. Who are you? What do you care about? And how do you therefore then? Yeah. And when we talk about purpose, it's like we just wrote about this, right? Like if you have a really solid understanding of why you exist and who you serve, right? Uh, who you are best fit to serve with, that may actually cost you, on the customer side, it might cost you some leads. It may actually cost you some potential recruits, right? Because you're essentially saying, look, if you don't hold to these values and this purpose, you're not going to thrive here, right? Now, in your case, like, I think it eventually, if you do it right, like you actually find that it attracts more, more of the right people. Yeah, it's a long right? tail approach. Yeah. Right. Now, could I go get more than 80, you know, people to sign up, you know, to submit a resume mm-hmm. for your back office, like part-time admin position? I bet I could. Yeah. There's a couple things it's going to cost me. One is it's going to cost me more advertising dollars. Uh, you know, I'm gonna have to spend more to get more eyeballs on that thing to get more responses, mm-hmm. um, especially if I'm not really clear about the purpose and the value system of the organization. Um, and then secondly, I'm going to get a lot more unqualified leads. 100%. Which means I'm going to spend more time sifting through resumes that are trash, right? That are not who we want, right? And then I'm going to spend more time I might have great resumes from really high performing people, but once I actually meet them, I realize like, wow, these are intrinsically selfish people Mm. who really are just in this for the paycheck. And they're, they might be great in the short term, but in the long term, they're actually going to hurt my company. That's poison, man. Um, And I've seen that personally. (laughs) I've experienced that in our company. I've definitely seen it in lots of other companies that we've worked with where like, yeah, you can get amazingly high performing people uh, from a technical standpoint. But from a culture standpoint, they're just going to like kill you. Right? But there's, there's something that you're bringing up here that is extremely important, yeah, in culture, but also in branding. And this is something that you guys helped me figure out. Mm. When I first started, my logo was, I mean, it was terrible, right? It was like I was trying to be like everyone else, mm. right? And the, the thing that you guys opened my eyes is like, hey, Grant, the, the branding of the imagery the sounds, the sights, the, all the things that have to do with what customers see about your company versus what they actually experience are very different. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I could see how that would be confusing. So you brought me through various exercises that pull different things out of me so that you could put me in the brand. Mm-hmm. And that was unbelievably important. Your brand has to be you, mm-hmm. but so does your culture. Mm-hmm. Like if, if somebody goes to say, oh, well, Grant, he does this over here, so I have to go do that too and, and just copy it. Like, no, 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 that's that's not going to work. Yep. If, if you're a finance company and you think, oh, I love that, love people through finances, we got to do that. Well, if that's not really you, then It won't be real, it won't be authentic, yeah. and it, it won't actually sustain. Yeah. Right? You won't be able to fulfill your promises. No. Yeah, it's, no. it has to be you and when you guys helped me 
realize that for my branding, again, that was a huge turning point. Mm. And it set me off on a journey that allowed me to up level so much easier in every single area of my marketing and my communication and my branding that it had to be me. Mm. And uh, that was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times, uh, I mean, you know, Resound, you know, we, we do a lot of rebrands or, you know, branding work, but there's always, you know, occasionally there's that, there's that company where it's like there's a freedom that comes when they realize they don't have to do it like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like there's this like, everybody, everybody is stoked for different reasons, but you, you always, you get that one person who's just like, I didn't know I was allowed to be myself, mm, right? Yeah. I didn't know I was allowed to yep. do that. I thought I had to be like everyone else because it's too dangerous to be myself. Yep. Yeah, part of it too was like I was so young yeah. and when I started the company, like, wait, I, I can do this? The, the big boys do this? You know, <laughs> are, they, are they allowed to do that too? Um, so I, I, part of it was a little bit of intimidation, but the process that you guys bring people through to, to help bring who they really are out into the brand, which makes branding so much more natural and easy so you don't have yep. to work at it, um, it creates a, a renewed sense of confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dang it, I am remarkable. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know what? Other people are remarkable too. And, and, mm -hmm. and the way that I can serve my community who is remarkable through who I am in a mm -hmm. remarkable way, that is beautiful. Let's lean into that, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what you guys helped me do, that's which I'm sweet. forever grateful for. That's awesome. Thank so you, you for that opportunity. Oh, man. You know, that's, I think, what's so sweet is when we get to work with people who, like, get that, they buy in and, and lean in and say, like, hey, like, let's have those kind of conversations. That, that's not always, that doesn't always happen. Hmm. You know, we get clients who are, like, there's a point at which they're like, nope, we don't want to go that deep. You know, we don't want to get that real. And mm -hmm. uh, that's always a challenge where it's like, okay, well, then there's a limit to how far your brand's going to go. Hmm. Um, so it's always cool and you know, we have somebody on who's like, yeah, this was incredibly impactful because you allowed us and, you know, allowed yourself even to like kind of unearth all those, those deeper, that deeper purpose, those passions, and then communicate it really just like lean into that communication. Yeah. What type of relationship do you want with uh, your marketing firm or advertising firm? Well, for me, I was fortunate enough to have one that was filled with empathy hmm. and humility and created a real relationship, which allowed something really powerful to be created. So yeah, th that was important. It's mm, awesome. That's sweet. So, uh, so we have, we have a few minutes left and I wanted to give you a chance to talk about stewardship. Tell us about stewardship a little bit. That's your company, right? Yes. Uh, so stewardship is a company that helps our community with home loans, insurance, and investments with wisdom and love. And, um, you know, practically speaking, we're a group of four different companies. It's a mortgage brokerage, an insurance agency, financial planning firm, and an investment management firm. And um, as a whole, our goal, as mentioned before, is to love people through finances. We believe that finances are a really, really big deal um, to people's individual lives, to families, uh, to households, to communities. And we want to be a place where people's finances are going to be the absolute best whether they know it or not. Hmm. Uh, and we're going to serve them uh, with, with love, yes, because we, and we care. But dang it, we're smart. You know, we're, we, we research. We know what we're doing. Mm. Uh, so we're wise as well. The, the truth is you can go get a home loan and insurance investments all on your own online, and some of those options are great. Uh, but for us, our ideal customer is somebody who wants to focus their time and energy on what matters more to them, whether it be their spouse their kids, their career, hmm. so that they have wise advisors that are handling all that other stuff, all those other finances. Our, our, our ideal customers, probably someone who's savvy enough to do it on their own, but you know what? They want a wise advisor to make sure for sure it's, it's, it's getting done right, um, but uh, also so that they can focus on what really matters. So that's stewardship. Yeah, it always matters to me. I don't know how everybody else buys those things, but I want to know, like, I'm curious enough to where I want to know what's going on. I want to have answers that sound like they come from a place of understanding. And also I want to, I want my situation to be known too, right? Especially mm -hmm. with something that personal, right? Like you want other people to know your point of view, you know, on things so that they can help you get there. Mm -hmm. It's not always easy to find. Mm. Yeah. I mean, through various financial services, there are always times where stuff that is bad is going to happen. Uh, you might have uh, an insurance claim 
And the truth is most insurance carriers and companies will mess up a claim situation. Hmm. It's just going to happen because the nature of how the insurance world's put together. So how do how does the your contact there at the insurance company, how do they handle that? Are they really gonna listen to your needs and see if they can do something to to actually help and step in and work and and try to make things happen? And even if there isn't something that they can do, as we talked about at the beginning with that rent situation, right? Let's educate. Let's tell them like, yeah, man, this is what's happening. It stinks. I don't like it either. Here's what we can do now. Here's what we can do in the future type thing. Yeah, my biggest frustration is like, so so what should I do in this situation? And they're just like, well, it's up to you. It's like, well, yeah, Mm. I know. I know. It's up to me. I know. But can you (laughs) help me out, man? Give me some background. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, again, we talked about Amazon reviews, which are basically the number one clicked on thing in on the internet, uh, whether you're <laughs> buying um, an, an investment product, uh, a mortgage insurance, or a toothbrush from Amazon, you want to know if you're doing it right. So when somebody who that you trust, uh, who's wise and, and loves you, is able to say, if I were you, I would, mm-hmm. and here's why, then most of the time, our retail customer just says, sweet, yep. let's do that. Yep. Yep. That's usually what I do. I just want to hear someone else, you know, someone who knows it, like verify, right, my what I'm yep. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I would, from my own personal experience working with you guys for a long time uh, as a customer of stewardship, um, that's always been our experience with anyone we've worked with, where it's, there's always a level of like, uh, I want, on your side, right, on your team side, a desire to not just like move the transaction forward, but like, really explain what's going on. Hmm. Um, that's super helpful, especially for my wife, mm. um, who is a researcher and wants to know ins and outs of everything, wants to know what her options are, wants to really understand each option in detail. And so like, for instance, like we just, you know, we're emailing back and forth with Greg on your team oh, that's right. about um, potentially a refinance uh, of our mortgage. And he spent five paragraphs explaining kind of the situation and kind of what he thought and and here's the context of your specific context like where we're at mm-hmm, personal. Um, and making it really personalized and saying here's you know here's your options and his outcome was really interesting like you know in that specific case one of his options was not something that stewardship could help us with and wouldn't gain any financial you know benefit from mm-hmm. um, and so I was like I appreciate that kind of relationship with anyone that I work with, especially when it's like financial stuff, Mm. you know, or it's like, I want to know I'm getting an honest answer. We're looking at all the options. We're not just looking at like the ones that best serve, you know, that that person on the other end. Um, And so I like, I really appreciate that about the culture you've built. You've really instilled that well, I think in your team. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, it's an honor to serve obviously you and and your family, but it's an honor to serve this community in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um, We care Mm -hmm. and love this community so much. Um, And anytime we have an opportunity, again, we want to be the place where they're going to get the best, whether they know it or not. And sometimes that best means, Hey, no, you you probably shouldn't use us. And we have to say no to a commission. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, that's okay. Yep. It's a real validation though of like taking you know, taking your passion, your desire, your sense of like, how do I help? Right. And, um, I bet there are a lot of people out there just like, you can't do insurance that way. You can't do it that way. Right. And, um, and so I think the challenge maybe for, if I, if I might issue a challenge to our listeners is maybe don't be so afraid to, to figure out what that is. Like, how do you help people? How, how would you help mm. people better? And, maybe be a little adventurous or at least ask the question and start the conversation and find out, you know, is there a way, is it possible? Mm. I feel like that some of the best innovations happen from people just starting with like, maybe it's possible. Who knows if we do this and they verbalize it and they tell people, you know, the heart of every business is finding a need and filling it. And you can't do that well without genuinely serving or sacrificing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if whatever endeavor or thought they, they go through, has serving or sacrifice in it, it'll work. And I can say, say that with confidence. Amen. I love it. Uh, so, so Grant, um, thanks for talking with us today. Oh, yeah, man. Thank um, you, Grant. This, this was fun. Awesome. Yeah. This has flown by. Yeah, I know. I'm like bummed that we have to wrap this up. <laughs> so, yeah. Grant, is there anything? Uh, so, how can people find out more about you, about your company, about your book, and other things that you're doing? Yeah. So, probably the best way 
is to follow me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Grant Botma. I am very active there. I post almost every day. I do an Instagram story almost every day where I either talk about finances or company culture or leadership or even like parenting and family stuff. So that's a great <laughs> nice. way to follow me. Um, web URLs are stewardship.pro that they can learn about stewardship there. And if you just search my name, Grant Botma on Amazon, then you can see uh, the book there. So mm, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I really encourage people to check out everything that Grant's doing. Mm. Um, it's been a joy for me to follow you and all the things you're doing. Um, I get lots of little tasty morsels of advice and, uh, you know, some some wise counsel without having to call you up every time, which I'm sure is great <laughs> for you. <laughs> well, it's an honor to help, really. I, I think that uh, with communication and content, especially in social media, my goal is to help and encourage. Mm. So those are my filters. Before I hit send or before I hit post, I got to make sure it does those two things. And if it does, then I do it. And hopefully anybody else who followed me either is encouraged um, and or they feel helped or maybe both. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Today. Thanks, Grant. This was a blast. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. The AZ Brandcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and Chris Stadler. It's produced and edited by Sam Pegel. Music is produced and provided by Pabrid, an Arizona-based music group. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at azbrandcast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, find out more about AZ Brandcast, or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at azbrandcast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media, LLC, 2020.